Welcome to Drunk on Comics Podcast, episode 287. Linz, how have you been? It's Good. been forever. It has, actually, in podcast time, it has been forever. Yes. <laughs> um, We had a fun time recapping uh, a little bit of Thor, but made it really spoiler-free. Yes, yes. And then Tony recapped some more Captain books. America stuff. <laughs> yes. Uh also talked about the future and, and what very well could happen to Earth. Okay, not really, but what could. <laughs> I was going to say, like, the wave, other part of what... But The Jetsons was fucking an amazing book. And, like, all the Hanna-Barbera comic books that DC has made, read it. Yes, and I reviewed Rugrats number one, sticking with the whole animation of our past theme that we seem to have going on this episode. And then we also got a tidbit of uh, how The Walking Dead came about, which yes. is kind of interesting. And some Spider-Man spoilers from the comic book this week. Yep, so uh, sit back, uh, grab a drink, and enjoy Drunk on Comics Podcast, episode 287. We're not hammered this episode. <laughs> I see what you did there. It happens sometimes. We take a week off. Yes. Oh my God. Sometimes we, we need to take a week off, though. I. It, it, but I will say this though: we always have something to listen to for that week. However, I don't think there's been a week. Maybe there's been one week where we didn't have something put out. Not since I started. Yeah, we always will have at least interviews, something that we yeah. had saved, some lost archive footage of us being drunk somewhere, but. <laughs> We will always have something, but sometimes just after conventions, we do need to have a little bit of a cool, because it, it takes a little bit of time to do these. It's not just sitting down for an hour and no. you get right away. We I end have to up spend a lot of time in Tony's house, you guys. Just It takes a lot. You know you enjoy it. it. You look forward to so it. so much out of me every week. <laughs> I get so tired making my way back into the studio every week. By the time I get here, I just need a nap. <laughs> Shut up, my house is not that messy Don't you perpetrate those <laughs> Those things um, But, so, yeah there, it's We may, maybe around Thanksgiving time too But we'll have something Hopefully In there Yeah But the one thing is this I love what we do every week Which is talking about the comic books we've read Talking about the news of what's come out I mean Really, we, we sit down a lot or we can text and be like, oh, did you see this? Or have you gone to see that? Like, Thor. Oh, my God. Thor was amazing. Thor was amazing. And was we, amazing. Could, we could talk about that ad nauseum. But me and Jay from An Elegant Weapon, we're going to be sitting down this week. And we're going to just be recording a little bit of our our thoughts and review on that. and Which then allows us to be spoiler free on yes. this podcast. We're not going to talk about it at all except to say that it was awesome. Was going to, and I was. We were gonna get nitty gritty into were it. Yeah, I wasn't planning. I figured we. I mean, normally for movies, we give like at least a week. I tried to, but spoilers. this one, I just wanted to get. I know it. it was amazing, mainly because the way the director. I 
loved the way the director went with this movie. Without spoiling anything, yeah. Korg is my favorite <laughs> Marvel character. People who have watched it will understand why. Yeah. Even that last scene oh just my God. killed it. Yeah. Uh, Hulk, the one Hulk scene too. It's not yeah. given away, but the one him jumping out of the helicarrier. Yes, there was so just everything. This movie was a comedy. Yeah, very much. It so. was a comedy. It was directed by a director who normally does comedies. Worked very heavily on Flight of the Concords, which some may or may not say is a comedy. Depends on your sense of humor. Um, but it need the Thor needed this movie. So bad because his character was so hot but so boring. <laughs> yeah, and well, I'll say this: I, I hope the next uh, one will be a little more in the realm of like just strong action. Like it doesn't need to be as funny because oh, this know, man. this felt a little more Guardians. This, which is cool that they did it. Different humor, though. It, well, very much so. Yeah. Um, Taki Watiti is yeah. just hilarious yeah. in what he's done. We are shadows. What we do in or the what shadows. we do in shadows, yeah. Which I guess yeah. get into a little bit of news. Werewolves has been Weir. officially werewolves has been officially. <laughs> it's been talked about for for years. If it's ever going to get done, I yes. think now that his his star is rising, more people know for who sure. he is. He's kind of like I can do some things that I've wanted to do that are fun, and so, they're going to finally make that movie. For people who don't know, what we do in the shadows is a movie about vampires, mockumentary yes. about. It's like a reality type television show-ish type movie where it's it takes these three vampires and puts them in a house together and then just the camera follows them around in all of their daily stuff. And it is hilarious. And there was a random scene where the werewolves were out there yep. that they kind of, you know, ran across them and they they were swearwolves. Swearwolves, yes. And <laughs> and, and they, they, there was always talk of there being a movie of like we are wolves, we're wolves, we are wolves to follow then that group around. So smart. And it you know, it never came out, but I the everything within that movie uh is hilarious. I love when they talk about why they they bite go after virgins. They're like, Fuck man, if someone was fucking your sandwich, would you wanna eat it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, but anyways, going back to Thor, it was great. Um, I love the direction. Yes. The dialogue, the humor in the dialogue is really what... I mean, being a fan of directors like Kevin Smith, where the humor is completely all dialogue-based and less slapstick, mm -hmm. like, movies like this totally get me. It was amazing. And I, it's not a spoiler in any way because we are. I'm surprised we've talked this long without really giving anything major it's away. Very ambiguous. The it's only amazing. thing I will say, and it's a bigger point that I will make later on when we're when I'm discussing it with Jay, is the one caveat was Hella, and I guess well, it does one them not knowing who she was. Right. Um, I 100 think it took part of. What they did with Angela and not knowing her as their sister, which is, I think, what they combined. Now, if you think mm -hmm. about it that, yep. that way. Well, when they said, so, when they came out and said that, obviously, everybody knows Hella's in this movie. They've mm -hmm. advertised it. So, when it comes out that she's their sister, because she's not in the comic books, right? Is she? She's one of, yeah, oh, she? she's just one of the other gods. gods. Right. Yeah. Um, that's totally the first thing my brain went to was Angela. And I was like, uh, oh, I wish they were doing that instead. 
Oh, very much so. Um, and with okay, so what I was saying is, she is, and I've tried to explain this to some of my friends. She is like the the Hades of the um, Greek or Norse mythology. Right. So, like Hades, he's kind of left alone. He uh, you know oversees the underworld. Sometimes schemes to have a little bit more, like right. she does. But nobody wants to live in hell forever. She's yeah, but she's not like the biggest like uh, like evil. Right. She's like what she does is kind of what's what she is, and she oversees those warriors that have not died a warrior's death who go to Valhalla. So she is overseeing. So she's not just a death god. So that's mm-hmm. the one change in this that really kind of made me a little upset. Um, Let me ask you this. She's the Ganos is obsessed with death. So do you think that her making it what's going to help draw him closer to Earth? You, uh, maybe. Because he's, I, they haven't touched on his obsession with death yet. I mean, literally, like, stalkery obsession with death. Not like, I just, I'm obsessed with killing people. Like, he just loves, he loves death. The actual embodiment of death. I don't. I think from where she goes with the end of the movie, I don't see her really paying a playing a part. I don't know if I don't know if she'll play a part in future movies, but just the presence of that much death and the way she plays with death in the movie, I think if they if they were smart and they played it right, they could use that as a draw for him. Because there's nothing drawing him in the direction of Earth right now, except where where did that Infinity Stone go? All right, yeah, I know. Saying, you God damn talking. it! I gotta stop talking. Well, because there's there's a big major thing which we didn't talk about before this, but us talking about things that I need to remind after we're recording. Right. I'm writing it down now of something that you might have thought of, not have thought of that I've kind of I don't talk a lot on the online forums, but I was kind of like. I think I was right on this thought, and it's got to be true, and then people are like... All right, we didn't discuss this enough ahead of time, and now I have all these questions. I'm not going to be here for your stupid thing with Jay, so <laughs> we're going to have to have another discussion afterwards. Oh, also in the comic books, uh, Loki was allegedly the creator, father of her, in a sense Because of... wasn't she supposed to be Enchantress also? No, there's a, there's an Enchantress that is a person. Okay. I thought that when they first cast her, they cast her as Enchantress. Well, that's what I thought that it was yeah. originally when they were showing her without her spiky right. helmet, which that just looked badass. It visually as well. It's a great movie. A great movie. Let's yeah. stop talking about that. Yes. Let's, uh, we let's... Could, we could spend... It, too, we're being too ambiguous to spend too much time on this. So let's Wait. talk about what you read this week. All right. Um, I don't know where I want to start, so I'm going to have you start first. Okay. Um, so it's been a while since we've actually done any book reviews because we took last week off and then we had the con, right? So mm-hmm. we didn't review anything that week either. Um, so I'm a couple weeks behind, so I'm going to review something that came out October 12th. And uh, this book, I don't know about you, Tony, but when I was younger, one of my favorite shows on television was Rugrats. I love Rugrats too. And I too. feel like we maybe even were a little bit too old to watch Rugrats. Yeah, but well, we still did. Yeah, and well, I we were always uh, called Rugrats by our favorite babysitter. I mean, so we were. I was still young enough. It, that show was on forever. Yeah. So Kaboom, which is the all ages offshoot of Boom Studios, came out with the Rugrats comic book. 
And the one thing I look for in any comic book that I read that's based off a, a different property is when I read it, do I hear the voices of that property in my head as I'm reading it? And I totally did the entire time I was reading this book. Those voices are, like, ingrained in my skull, definitely. But it, it, it has that same feel as the cartoon did. You know, you spend half the time in, like, Tommy's imagination and then half the time in reality. So this book spent half the time in whatever fun play thing mm -hmm. that they were thinking up, and then the rest of the time was spent uh, seeing what actually happened. And it was really weird for me reading this now as a parent, and, like, I, I focused a lot on what the parents were doing in this book as opposed to what the kids were doing because I can totally relate to them more now than what I did when I was younger and I watched Rugrats. Um, but this entire first book is about how parents, they've modernized it. So all the parents have smartphones and they have those um, like baby monitors that have video cameras. Mm -hmm. So you can watch your kids from another room. And they even go so far as to have like a drone, like Chucky's dad, of course being like really overprotective, has a drone that follows the kids around outside so he can watch their every move. And the kids totally know that something's up because whereas they could just do, not really do their own thing because they're babies, like, but, you know, live in their world of imagination without too much outside interference. Like, every time they go to start something or some sort of shenanigans like they would do in the show, they were shut down by the parents. So they knew they were being watched. And I thought that was really interesting. How... Did they explain about Chucky's mom? No. Is she dead? Or not there's in there? no there's no mom okay no so this this totally follows like if you were to turn on the TV and just catch a random episode of Rugrats it would be this would be like that like they don't go this is not origins this is totally you should already kind of know these yeah. characters okay yeah um so it was just really interesting to see how they've moved it because Rugrats wasn't on that long ago right 10 well they also 15, had 15, i mean they also years. had though the when it came back with them being oh my god a little bit older yes i watched the shit out of that even though <laughs> i was in my fucking 20s when that came out <laughs> but it, it's you know and it made a lot of this with with the with them being able to monitor the kids constantly like it totally got me thinking about being a parent and how you want to protect your children but you also want them to be children and how they were trying to keep their kids safe but also hindering them from using their imagination because there's like one point where tommy's in his crib wrestling his stuffed penguin and his dad comes in and says no more leg drops and takes the penguin out of his crib and it's like well that's but that's what tommy does <laughs> you're taking away his imagination now so it was this weird like me connecting with the children because i've watched the cartoon in the past but also being a parent and knowing what you need to do to keep your kids safe like this weird fight going on in my head about what i thought was right about the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was good it was the rugrats so if you liked watching the rugrats this book totally 100 percent was like walking watching the rugrats i mean it didn't stray away from the formula at all total 100 percent followed the way every episode of the Rugrats was set up. So say what you will about it being the same, but I kind of liked it because it's been a while since you watched the Rugrats. 
So was uh, Reptar in it? Yes. That the fir- whole first scene was them battling two Reptars, which of oh. course were Phil and Lil wearing Reptar masks. But you start in their imagination, as you often do in the cartoon, with them battling Reptar and trying to figure out how to defeat them and jumping into water, which ended up being the sprinklers. What's funny is that's I mean that that's one of those things of. If I saw it at a con, I would buy it like a plush thing because oh, yeah. it's such an iconic, you know. Right. I'm surprised there's not more. I mean, maybe there was when we were younger and we just didn't pay attention to that shit because we were at the age where we still, it was still cool to watch Rugrats, but we didn't own any Rugrats stuff because that was all for younger children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Weird age to be at. But so this was written by Box Brown interesting name to have but uh, illustrated by Lisa Dubois and the art style um, not necessarily traditional Rugrats but Mm -hmm. similar not not so far away that you're like oh they're taking this in a new direction but uh, not exactly the same which is they they modernized it a little bit Um, and the colors were by Eleonora Brunei name so have you ever heard heard of the the theory of the rugrats in all about angelica's mind no i have not all right it's all in angelica's mind yes so (laughs) yeah so what it goes is that um she's the only one that's like really around um and because she's more of a uh you know, the adult or like older mm-hmm. sibling or not sibling, but cousin or whatever. Um, she's the only person that um, was dealing with the deaths of like Chucky was dead the whole time. It was a figment of everyone's imagination. Um, That's fucking morbid. Yeah. That, that somehow like Tommy was also not real. Like all these characters were um, made up to help her cope it's just so much death. Yeah, pretty much. Like none of the kids were were real. Um, you know, just they were just. Uh, That's fucked up. Yeah, and I can't remember all exactly of how it went, but it's it's a very when you look at it through that, I could see how you could play out watching the entire series through a shifted perspective of mm. how it's just her, and these are different aspects of her. You know, self trying to get through. There's, you know, Tommy, the smart one. There's Chucky, kind of the nervous one. There's the twins who, I don't know, you'd call them like, you know, happy and. They're like yin and yin and yang. Yeah. One, they're like, you can't have one without the other. Yeah. So. So what about Susie? She was the neighbor who was the same age as Angelica. I think they they say that that w- would be her only friend. Oh. Um, and, and she, you know, she kind of coped with, with, uh, Angelica saying like, okay, yeah. So she interacted with the kids play thinking that it's like playtime. Interesting. That's fucked up. It's, I mean, you could just type in, uh, Rugrats theory and there's like a bunch of places. That would, there's so many, I don't like these because really it just, ruins it, just it ruins things. Like they're kids shows. But, no, this is one of the few ones, though, that has always stuck with my head of knowing that it's not true. But I like that forced perspective to think, oh, wow, that would have been an interesting take on it. Yeah. 
Who would have thought of it that way? Except they ruined it when they did the second show where they all were teenagers. Yeah. Because then, if that were the case, she'd be really fucked up if that went all the way into high school. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It could be an interesting ghost They show type her at thing. the end just tied up in a padded cell at an insane asylum. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Now well, I'm sad about the Rugrats. Way to go, Tony. Well, that kind of transitions into different perspectives, different ways of looking at things. And I want you to meet my friends. Meet George Jetson. <laughs> his boy, Elroy. Daughter, Judy. And Jane, his wife. And you know, those are the only lyrics to the beginning. I know. And it kind of goes... Do, 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 do. Yep. Um, I picked up uh, Meet the Jetsons. Um... It's a six-part miniseries, um, Hanna-Barbera DC, which mm, as I raved, raved about all those ones before, and then when they ended abruptly, some of them said possibly, a lot of them ended on, on how they they wrapped up what they were set out to do, but many fans were like, we want more. Yes, the Snagglepuss one just came out too recently. Yeah, so they are doing a second wave, yeah. and I think it was always planned that they were going to do some other ones, but I think that... I just still hope they bring the Flintstones back, and maybe they just don't have more to what they wanted to tell with that. Which is crazy, because there was so many different ways they could go with that comic book. But with the Wacky Races, they've also shot off the Dastardly and Muttley, which number three just came out this week. I didn't get a chance to read it yet. But it, uh, yeah, they, the, the Jetsons is just like all those other ones. Fucking amazing. This one's written by uh, Jimmy uh Palamati, um, art by Pierre Brito, um, colors by Alex Sinclair, and I will say that just the the um, the color, the the art, everything in this is superb. I'm so glad they didn't go with like cartoonish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks if this were the series now, if the way this is drawn, oh, it's badass. Yeah, it would that would make the show way more interesting. And this also kind of uh, stems out of from back in the spring when Flintstones was going on. They had a all of these uh, Hanna Barberas did have a crossover with the DC character in some realm. Like Bugs Bunny was with the uh, what just not Justice League, but uh, what's the one in the future? Um, future Quest? No, not no the the people that are the Justice League in the future. Um, Fuck, I can't remember. I know. All I'm thinking of is the Justice Society of America, but that's the wrong direction time And it's not Legion. I can think of like their symbol and everything, but regardless, I'm drawing a brain fart. This came out of the Flintstones uh, Booster Gold uh, crossover event because in those each of those books, they had a separate story, and this had a Jetson story in it, which kind of threw you into it of you kind of had to, you would know who these characters are. You know who the Jetsons Even are. Even if you don't, haven't ever watched the Jetsons, you know who the Jetsons are. And it was an interesting, different take from it where uh, George's mom was dying and she decided to be uploaded in a robot. Like a fucking Black Mirror episode. Kind of. <laughs> and so you get Rosie oh the God. robot. That's so smart. It was a perfect... It, like it, I think they could have just mainly did this book with just them having robot technology and stuff there, but that it made a dynamic, which within this book is really fucking interesting 
to go with because um, with even skipping some of the beginning story of this book, there's a part where Rosie is talking to her son, George, about about what it's like. And you find out that from that book that was last uh, springish or I can't remember when it, or exactly it came out, you find out that that was two days ago that she had her operation, that she became a robot. So she's new to even being a robot, but how her senses... You know, he's asking if she misses anything, and she's like, you know, I don't, when you started the shower this morning, I could feel on my robot, you know, self what the water was, and so the circuitries in my brain said this is water, and I had my memory of what water felt like, so I can feel that, but I don't truly feel it. Mm. The bacon you're eating, I can remember what bacon tasted like, but uh, not really, and he's even saying, it even got into a little bit of exposition of what this world is like, where... Well, it's not even real bacon anyways. They live in the clouds, so there probably aren't pigs or farms like that. Right. It's synthetically made. Right. Which was a small little nuanced thing that I didn't even need to know. I could have just pretended that they had some farm-making bacon place. Yeah. That they went into it, and her saying how she, does, she remembers the smell, but even then it's not real to her. Right. They got into um, talking about... Oh, a big thing, too, is this uh, synthetic carbon that she's made out of. So, like, dents automatically get, uh, you know, undented. I can't think of a technological term for that. I don't think there is one. (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, But the the conversation kind of leads towards, like, science or religion. And is there an afterlife? And she kind of explains, with George being kind of a scientist, though... It wasn't preachy. It was just a a really interesting, quick blurb in a bubble of like you know, are you worried if if your father is is waiting for me? Um, and she goes on how she never pushed religion on him, and there was even a small thing of how they weren't around for him, uh, growing up. So she wants to have the other kids. And it's like a different plot story of he's going to be forty. They're going to have a fortieth birthday party or something. So she's talking to Judy about they should be the ones that throw the party, not his mom. All these things that I'm like, damn, Rosie's like in the thick of things. Right. I mean, they all call her grandma and mom instead of Rosie, but they've established that that's the robot's name. That's her mom. It's just a way more like, I mean, maybe when they did this cartoon that I don't know that anybody would have even thought of that as an option. And Mm -hmm. now that we're so many more years in the future just it's just it makes it very interesting for the dynamic of just the storytelling and and it makes rosie like a way less racist character too yeah which is very useful on today and even the design is really futuristic but then again it goes away from the cartoony style in very kind of like alien robot-ish as well Mm -hmm. which this world is created of you kind of got even a, a glimpse. Uh, it starts off with kind of George being told by uh, was it C- uh, Cogswell? Mm, um, Cogsworth? Or, or, Cogswell? Uh, Spacely uh, Cogs- Cogswell of Cogswell Sprockets. Yeah, yeah. Very 50s name. Yeah. <laughs> and you find out he has a daughter because Elroy is going with the daughter to a submerged old town on Earth. So, because they're over the water, right? Now, in the cartoon... 
They were they were in space yeah. over Earth, and like they never really talked about what happened if you like you fell off one of those things. Did they ever combat that? In the I can't imagine that's a thing. I they think even... they all had like shoes that could yeah. kind of like automatically float them back up. So in this, they're actually they're not like they're not in way outer space. Right. They they're closer to the water. You can see it kind of in just a scene of that. And this is Earth, but they're all kind of orbiting Earth, and now Earth is underwater. Yes, and it was. This is where, from back in the day, you wouldn't have ever thought of this with... You always kind of were curious. Like why were they in... Yeah. Then you just think, they're in space. So, that's just what yeah. happens. It's a space kind of show. Well, they get into the explanation. 124 years ago, the atmospheric temperature... Oh, then this is where it's a key part. So, you have Elroy being kind of like his science nature and stuff. He's with uh, Girl Lake... Who is um, Mr. Uh, Cogs? Her name is Lake. Yeah, that's cute. <laughs> um, yeah, I and I don't know. That's kind of a cool name. I think so. So they go and they're exploring the down, um, the down under the the yeah, underwater the place. Upside down. No, just the <laughs> down in the in the water and. What was interesting is kind of like she obviously has a crush on him, so there's like the dynamic of her dad is George's boss. George is one of the few people that knows how to fix things. Uh, they also kind of get into about mag magnets as well as kind of like how these platforms and stuff are staying afloat because mm -hmm. of the magnetic right. sphere that the Earth has. Makes sense. So you have then. Um, Jane, his wife, <laughs> who is uh, uh, pretty much uh, part of like a po political council, almost kind of scientists as well. They didn't really seem to get in her background, but they're having a secret kind of meeting because in it, she kind of gets into the backstory of this world, which was my favorite part of this book. So 124 years ago, the atmospheric temperature melted the caps. And then they lost 22% of landmass. So then you're thinking, all right, we've already kind of explored under here. Some of these buildings are way underwater. Mm -hmm. What else is going on? Well, then they go into, there's a 200-mile across meteor, um, the Halon meteor, that also crashed into Earth, you know, at some point um, within the last, you know, 124 right. years. That was made up of 95% ice. So you think of a giant meteor like that with that much ice, when it lands, that ice melts, that raises the sea levels even farther than what the There's Earth... so ever... many questions about this, and they probably haven't covered it in the book, but, like, wouldn't... If a, if a meteor that large hit the Earth, wouldn't we all just die? Oh, there'd be giant tidal waves. That's there'd probably a be... giant meteor. They explain that there are not... Does it burn up in the atmosphere on the way down? And then it rains yeah, for, for yeah. years. Yeah. They explain how, or they they say that there are not a lot of them left. So they know that the the Earth population is is good enough to where we're not at extinction levels. Mm -hmm. But there was a lot of people that died, okay. and they didn't get into that. They didn't, you know, right. they just kind of said we don't have the same amount of population we did. They didn't need to explain all that to me because I was just more fascinated with how it, it all became underwater. Right. That was a simple explanation. And what was even more curious was within the middle of this thing was a giant metal ball of some metal that they don't know what it is that, for whatever reason, it's think of... 
vibranium. <laughs> it keeps rolling. It's made a giant trench around the world. It's been rolling around like so just imagine a ball like going around another ball. Right. Like it just it just made like this kind on of groove. The earth? Yeah, because the earth still spins, this metal ball has been just there. So it stays in the same spot, but the earth is rotating underneath kind of, it. Yeah, or however you'd have eventually yeah. it kind of probably get some motion of moving. Interesting. I mean, when you look at it, when you're on the flat Earth, you would see that thing moving, but uh, perspective is is everything, and how, and that to me was like, damn, that's genius. But what is doing that? And that probably can't be good. Not forever. No, <laughs> but they've made it up. You know, they they kind of then explained about the magnets and how that keeps these platforms up. Now what's happening is there's another meteor heading this way. And it will destroy. It will pretty much. It's not made of ice. Well, it, there's some sort of something in it. Yeah. And I'm interested if like some alien. I don't know what how which way they could go. I hope it's not alien invasion, but then again, I do. Like it seems like they haven't introduced which just like the show. I don't really remember there being aliens. It was just humans on different yeah. like rock planets and like maybe creatures here and there, but. Mm-hmm. Whatever this metal is, it's interesting, and this other one that's coming is going to disrupt the magnetic field, which will mean all those platforms are going to fall down. I have to then go back and say, when Elroy and Lake were exploring down there, they talked about these like gel, like breathing suits. Like imagine like the abyss where they could put the liquid in there, yep. so you can go down deep. They put in that. They got into the suits, and they said we got ten minutes before like we pretty much die because. I guess this water is nuclear acidic waste. They show a couple times just old atomic bombs and they even show this magic this giant metal ball at the end exploding the nuclear bombs and it seemed like almost like it's cracking, like that was like the mm. end. There's so much in this book that that I love. It's and so it's so intense for the Jetsons. Very, very much so. <laughs> I love that it, it gave the past the story of why they're there it explained a lot i kind of left out some of the things judy didn't really have a a story um daughter judy didn't have a story but i mean she was super boring in the tv show. they even had though the dog uh like they showed her at some point them on the like the treadmill oh nice like there's a scene where rosie is talking to judy and she's on the treadmill with with astro just kind of being on it does the dog talk it didn't say anything, so okay. who knows? They could make it talk later. They could maybe say that George made a translator chip. Right. It doesn't need to talk. They just kind of just showed it. So yeah. you get some of that nostalgic feel. Oh, God. People are geniuses. I wonder if they're going to tie this into Batman metal. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that metal. That would be fucking hilarious. <laughs> I don't think they are, but I don't want to spread any rumors or anything like I have some sort of inside track. But that would be awesome. Speaking of Batman, we're going to be Batman free this week because there was a lot of Batmans that came out again. Uh, White Knight, it, yes. The Devastator, uh, number 34. That we got to. I want to talk about all those. I have to catch up. We can't talk about them yet until I'm fully caught up. Oh, you want me to spoil some no. of them for you? Especially the White Knight one. I think I'm super intrigued by that whole storyline. Fucking Sean Murphy is genius. But. Well, you said you had another book that you uh, picked no, up. I did not. <laughs> what? We talked about this beforehand. <laughs> well, I read. So I read a. So, 
I reviewed Eugenics 1 mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago, and I read Eugenics 2, and I don't want to fully review it because it actually doesn't come out until next week. Because, like we've said before, being a podcaster has its perks. Um, oh, yeah, that is what you said. Yes. So. See how easily my mind I, I forget? <laughs> um, I do have to say that. Uh, this so the in the first book it was right we everybody had a virus, it was gonna be like the end of humanity. They cured it, but then the scientists made it so that all humans would be born with like these genetic distinctions that would make them different but all the same, and there wouldn't be like homosexuality or anything. It just made them all disformed creatures. Well, then the next book was gonna be two hundred years later, and you saw like. In the little preview page, you saw the society where there were people who still looked like humans and people who looked like these new creatures, and they were kind of coexisting. And I'm not going to give too much away, but they're not coexisting, as we surmised from the last one, because, it's, you know, these creatures think that they're genetically superior because they were created to be genetically superior. So lots of shit goes down in this comic book. It's definitely worth worth picking up. There's only going to be three issues. The next issue is another 200 years in the future. So they're literally just... Jumping. They're just jumping to see the effects. They do something. They jump 200 years in the future to see the effects of that. They do something. They jump 200 years in the future to see the effects of that. So I'm fucking intrigued as to what they're going to do now because of the way this book ended. It was great. That's all I'm going to say about it because it's... Hasn't come out yet, but all right. Well, then now I understand why you didn't want to necessarily <laughs> talk about it. I do remember. I do remember now you saying it doesn't come out to next week. So, <sighs> but that doesn't stop us from spoiling no. things. No, I don't want to spoil it too much though. It's it's a really good story, and I'm always. Do you feel like three books then is enough? <sighs> the way they've written each one, each single issue, they they do an event and they wrap that event up nicely because they kind of put you at the end of whatever was happening. So like in the first issue, they put you at the end of what happened with this virus and the cure. You're at the very end of that storyline. And in this, you're kind of at the very end of what happens in this book at that storyline. So they don't spend a lot of time building. You literally get the climax of that story in that issue and then they're going to put you to see the repercussions 200 years in the future. All right. So it's just an interesting way to tell a story. Um, but it has me hooked. Three is is enough, but it you know if it was more, I wouldn't be mad at that either. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I got uh, also to talk about Captain America 695. Right, because they went back to their old numbering system. Yes. yes. There, I mean, there's still a couple... Well, almost everything now should... Um, that were legacy titles, I mean, should have jumped to their numbering when they've been coming out this month. Um, it's weird though sometimes where like I'll see Black Bolt number seven, but also realizing there wasn't really a series or a legacy series. Right. I mean, for it's- some of these comics that were kind of created within the last 10 years, I don't necessarily, well, then again, too, with our booze in the book, they did kind of legacy number that. So, I do believe they're just going to everything, anything that is just newer, that is practically new, you know that's a lower number right. tier. But numbers aside, uh, this uh, story written by Mark Wade, um, art by Chris Samney, uh, colors by Matthew Wilson. And I will say the art style, 
was genius for what this book was trying to accomplish. This is the first Cap book coming out post-Secret Wars where he was... Post-Evil Cap. Yeah, let's call him Evil Cap, yeah. and we all know he was Nazi Cap, but yeah. <laughs> uh, post-Evil Cap. And so to kind of have it in, uh, as you said, the not Marvel House style... Right. which they do from time to time, and I always applaud them when they do. Yeah, and there's sometimes when I... The art does, for me, take me out of it of, like... As I've said before, I've loved Squirrel Girl as a character way before until they made her too cartoony and slapstick. Right. And I understand there's many people that love that book, mm -hmm. and that is awesome that there are more readers. Because right. she probably didn't have any fans beforehand no. anyways. In it's the just, you're, you're not her audience anymore. No. Right. And that saddens me a bit, but it's right. it, sometimes I gotta let things go, and yes. then I'm happy because then I don't need to read every <laughs> single comment. Right. It's nice to, you know, save that $3 every month. Yeah, I'll let young Neil tell me about what's going on with Squirrel Girl. Him and his wife read that. But, so this, um, I thought the art style was great. I, I will flat out say I have never truly been a Captain America fan, per se. He can get a little or read. Well, yeah. He's not, a little Boy Scouty. Well, even not, I wouldn't even say that I felt that he's always preachy, but it just, it, it it wasn't what I enjoyed in a comic book. I wanted some some real, like, mental, like, do I save the one person on the tracks or the four people mm. from the tracks, and do I push the button where Captain America would just save them all? He always chooses right. He's the Superman right. of the Marvel Universe. Yes. Yes. Even though I feel, well, let's not even get into that, but... <laughs> Part of the reason why I don't like Superman either, but I enjoy Cap a little bit more because he's he's human. human. Yeah. Right. So this uh, being said, it starts off with him being Cap and saving these people, and I was a little. I loved how they set up this book. I personally was like, "Why the fuck don't these people know who this is?" I know who Captain America is. Why do these kids like not know? And they said it was uh, what was it um. Bhutan, uh, Nebraska, where it was. I was like, okay, maybe it was some small town that didn't know who he is, but then I'm also like, but he also just took over the presidency and the world. Right. What is going on? But he saved uh, from these uh, not Hydra-looking people, but kind of this group of not Nazi, white supremacist people. Um, just generally bad white guys. And he, Here's a side note. They're called the Rampart. Now, that just being said, that's what they are. I don't know if this is a personal dig or not, but I will always, whenever I hear Rampart, think of the 2011 movie with Woody Harrelson because at one point he got on Reddit to do a Reddit AMA, and I know this is not comic book-wise, but it was one of the worst-received uh, Ask Me Anythings ever because... What he didn't realize is when you do an ask me ask me anything. Right. Sure, people know that you're there to kind of plug your your works that you're doing now. Most people will do that at the beginning. You will kind of throw it in, uh, you know, at some point when people are like, "What are you working on now?" They'll take the softball question, and kind of throw it in there. Every single response was like, "Let's talk about Rampart." I want to get back to Rampart. So now Rampart for those who are internet uh, genius or knowledgeable know that Rampart kind of means like terrible ah because it was a terrible movie as yeah. well 
And well, and that sucks because Woody Harrelson seems like he'd probably be really interesting. Oh yeah, well, to I'd... like talk about your shitty ass movie that also had Sigourney Weaver in it. Well, it's not even. They were just asking him <laughs> questions about like Hunger Games and other things. Like, don't go in there to ask me anything, and then every reply going like, "Why can't we talk about Rampart?" Like, he just he didn't understand it. Right. It sucks for him because now he's kind of got a. He was probably tarnish. high. And I like I like Woody Harrelson. <laughs> yeah. I hope he's not a dick in real life, but it in that sense. Let's go back to here. It took me out a little bit with the group's name. That's what you first thought of. But yeah. But what's also <laughs> interesting is uh, towards the end, you kind of get a sense of there are other groups besides Hydra that are within America, smaller groups. Mm. Um, that makes sense. That aren't necessarily on the radar of the, the Avengers. So I see this is kind of the, the realm where Cap's going. But what was interesting is you see this. Why do these people not know who Captain America is? And then it says 10 years later. So then you're like, oh, so this is an old Cap story. Obviously, this had to have happened before evil Captain America happened. Right. Let's see what kind of setting this is. It seems like Steve is still just being Steve, not putting on his mask. Uh, in the Legacy book, they kind of explain that he was kind of going on a cross-America road trip to kind of find himself. So he goes back to this city, which is now named Captain America, Nebraska. <laughs> because of that one incident, they were... <laughs> What? That's the worst name for a city ever. <laughs> but they unanimously voted on it after the incident, they say. Oh. He gets there, he arrives there, and they are having their 10th annual Captain America Festival. Oh, my God. Bit cheesy. That's amazing. No, it's totally small town America. Like, let me though, tell you, while reading sure. this, while reading this, still, at this point, I'm like, I'm not really digging this story. I'm still kind of like, okay, this is not great writing. This is what's going on and people are like oh you you kind of look like steve rogers you're you're entering the the contest or or something like for the look like yeah and there's other people kind of dressed up and everything and that was hilarious and then he talks to like a vendor to get like a hot dog and the, the vendor said something of or steve said something about the war like world war Two, and then he goes oh you're an icer huh and steve's like what you know, one of those people that believes that he was really frozen in ice. You know, we all know that that was some Avengers PR stunt when they were trying to recruit people. They dressed someone up in in his uh, you know costume and called him the original when he really wasn't. And I go, I have in the life of me never truly thought of people never really thinking that he was the original. Right. But that makes more sense it totally than does. truly believing that he was frozen like, in ice. You know 100%. Like, if this were a real thing, icers would totally be a thing. Like, <laughs> this is the way the world works, for real. <laughs> Very much so. <laughs> and, and so, even that part, I was like, alright, you know what? You've now made a great point in this, but I'm still kind of like... Why are you celebrating Captain America? He was America? just evil. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get people telling stories of, like, when they, they moved to this town or where they were at when, you know, Steve saved them or they heard of this story. And then one guy was they got up there on the stage, and there's, these are just, like, little couple panels of each person where they're saying uh, how... And then he finally came back. There was that imposter, that clone mm. that was going around as him, mm -hmm. and he finally showed back up. And I go, wow, for a town that has truly, like, worshipped him to knowing that he's always been good, uh, that actually makes perfect sense. Yeah. And how there probably is a divide in America to truly 
whether they like him 100% or not. But there probably are still a lot of people saying, no, he is good, and that other one was was just a, yeah. a doppelganger. They do live in the Marvel Universe, so, I mean, it is entirely possible. Yeah, <laughs> but it, that's the one caveat of this story that I kind of need to go back, which they didn't do the greatest of job is... I do understand this is the original Steve that was trapped in time from a while ago, but I don't think they've explained that enough for readers to kind of understand that, yes, this truly is the original. And even though that other was an original too, it was the original from a different timeline that was kind of brought here because right. of the Cosmic Cube. So it really wasn't the original, even though it was. Yeah. Because Marvel does a lot of time yeah. travel, shifting <laughs> reality things. And I then realized... Wait, I'm glad they're not going into that. Secret Empire happened. I thought that it ended poorly. I thought that what they were doing with Cap and making him a bad guy was good. I would have done it many different ways uh, to flesh out the story. Mm -hmm. But that they're just going and uh, saying how some people, you know, want to believe. It makes sense because then it kind of makes you have to choose a side, right? Was he current time cap or was he alternate timeline cap? Was he ever really evil or was he always good? Like, it's not us as readers, the people in this world yeah, have to decide that. And so it will make some interesting things, but it also, as I said already, uh, Rampart shows back up and they've been waiting for 10 years and blah, blah, blah. And that, like I said, some of it a little bit forced, but I love well, it. But. As the art style totally goes back to, like, old school Captain America comic books, that storyline totally makes sense when it comes to, like, throwing back to old school Captain... Because that's... I mean, honestly, that is what Captain America was for a really long time, was just super cheesy, heroic stories. And when they kind of were, like, you know, taking over, they are going to start, you know, firing on the crowd, that's when you see Cap put on his mask, become... Captain, well, when Steve becomes Captain America and he beats him up and then one of them explodes and he say, you know, puts a shield up, kind of push away the blast and everyone likes you, you're the hero, you're hero. And then in good old cat fashion, like I said, this is where it truly made me say, holy cow, I actually want to read the next one. And I love Captain America more than I ever have before, even though it's exactly against what I just said, the reasons why I don't like <laughs> And they're like, you're the hero, you're a hero. And he's like, no, you see that lady over there? She she saved, or she pulled this person out of, like, the burning place. You see that guy over there? He jumped on this little kid to protect him from the blast. Like, they are the true heroes. And then you see this, uh, and he's uh, saying, you know, you, you know what's right. The strong protect the weak. And this girl who you see wearing this flag over her shoulders... You go back to the 10 years ago when he put this flag over this girl's shoulders when she was afraid, when she was asking him who he was. Like I said, when it's confusing, like, how do you not know who this person is? But you then realize 10 years ago, she still remembered and the whole town remembered who Captain America truly is. And that was just, like, amazing. You know, never forget, you know. That was just like, wow. In a couple panels, everything comes full circle it was amazing. And then even then, there was uh, there was a secondary story. Uh, God damn it. Marvel it was, and their fucking secondary it, stories. Well, well, it was like a, it was a quick like four panels of his origin, of him being scrawny and him becoming. Oh. So almost for probably anyone that doesn't know this. Yeah. I mean, it was a recap story. 
hate you. I know. <laughs> I hate that I laughed at that. I, I'm glad that when I thought, I was like, this was a recap story, I go, holy shit. That is the best part in the world. I thought you were going to groan at me, but I'm so glad. <laughs> no, that was funny. So I, this was a really good book. I am 100% going to read the next one. I can't say that I can stand reading all the Captain Americas because, right. like I said, it will feel a little bit... It'll get to be too much, if, especially if they stay in this vein. Like I said, I, I love the, the more Deadpools, the Wolverines, the kind of... You like violence. Yeah, I do like violence. Anti-heroes. Yeah. Um, so what I have to say, and not having read this, is... This seems like a definite throwback to old Captain America. Like, and if this is what they're doing with the new Marvel, and they said they were going to take it back, right, to mm-hmm. the heart of each character, and that's what they've done in this. So it gives me hope, crossing my fingers, that this is the way all of them are going to be. I can't say that that's going to be as effective in every single one of them, but if this is the way it's going to play out for most of them, I think they've maybe finally got their shit together. Mm-hmm. So. I am, uh, yes, I am, I am a, a true believer. <laughs> Again. <laughs> well, those were some lengthy reviews. Uh, I want everybody to know and clap for Tony. He wrote notes this week, so that's why those reviews were I'm, so good. I'm writing notes more. Maybe yeah. if you wrote notes, yours would have been Mine was awesome. Better Shut than... your face hole. Than they normally are. Maybe you would have had best instead of just. No, okay. Well, I, I got to give you at least a week. Right? Yeah. Uh, let's get into some a little. There's a little bit of news. Okay, so something I want to talk about a couple weeks ago that we just ran out of time and then we didn't, you know, record mm-hmm. last week is something that has has come out as being a big. It's not even a big news story, but just like. Is they calling it the big lie that that launched The Walking Dead? Have you heard what that was? No. So originally, The Walking Dead, when it was pitched, the comic book, yes, okay. was they Kirkman had said that it was going to be about uh, an alien invasion. The original pit when he wanted to do a, a zombie book, they were like no, and then he was like talking about maybe a zombie book in a world that is not Earth. And something with aliens, and they kind of liked it, but then they were kind of like, we're going to scrap, and he goes, all right, so you kind of want more, so we're going to have Earth. And he had pitched them on the idea that it was still going to be a secret, so people are going to think it's a zombie book, so Mm -hmm. you're used to zombie books, but really, like within the first, he said he's going to drop hints within the first couple pages, or first couple books to kind of flesh out so that by book 10 you're going to really see that it's not even zombies, that there's some alien virus or something going on. So, uh, after like the first couple, uh, um, so Robert Kirkman and Tony Moore kind of uh, pitched that as that's what it's going to be. So, the people at Image were kind of like wondering where where are these, uh, these you know, secret things that... These hints. Yeah, these hints that, you know, in the background that might be going on. And at that point, uh, number one was so successful uh, that they, you know, he's like, you know, they're going to, you know, they're going to see anything coming in two or three. And at that point, he was he had a hit going. Mm-hmm. And he kind of just goes, eh, well, that, that wasn't ever the plan. I was just going to do it this way. <laughs> um, he fucking relaunched an entire genre. Very much so. And I'm so glad that he then lied to get this yeah. thing happen. 
I kind of also want to see what it would have been like if it would have been the it would have been a, probably a shorter yeah. series. It but if they been. did, you wouldn't have had. See, here's the thing: when you whenever you introduce aliens into the mix, it be, it becomes less. The Walking Dead now isn't even about them versus the zombies anymore. They all know how to handle zombies. They're like, it doesn't even matter anymore. The fact that there's zombies there, everyday thing. They've all learned to deal with it. It's them versus each other. Oh, yeah, and that's what, now. yeah. And if you had aliens who are more sentient and have actual risks involved with them, it, well, you wouldn't have that dynamic, and it wouldn't be as good, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Well, I think though they could, you could make a story because you ha- you're also looking at it from the eyes of there would be a Rick and everything. And yeah. I do think there would be a Rick. Did you but- ever watch Falling Skies? Yeah, that's what that would be. Fucking love that. Book. It was good it, after. And yeah, and there would be aliens that kind of yep. help, but then yep. other aliens. Yep. So yeah, I I want to have more Falling Skies. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> I was so glad they, they jumped the shark on that fucking show and then it ended. When it, the last season, yeah. really, they should have maybe wrapped it up in the third. Yeah. I think they had four. But I was happy they actually wrapped it up. And I even secretly, I was like, at least I got to see the ending. Because it was such a good it, fucking show. It, that that whole first episode where I, I even ranted about this show like a couple years ago about how amazing it was. They're already past the invasion. Yeah. The invasion already happened. Now we have the sur- few mm-hmm. survivors it was and the like slaves. The, and... It was like The Walking Dead with aliens. Yeah. Kind of. So, very very similar. That's that's what this book, I think, would have ended up being. Probably better yeah. written. But So, I just wanted to mention that and talk about that. Because that is a very awesome. interesting little tidbit. Robert Kirkman. Like image, a... image should be on their knees. Offering their mouths <laughs> to Robert Kirkman. Because... Image was big, and then it wasn't, and then all of a sudden it was again, and Walking Dead had a lot to do with that, I think. So, um, my big news that I found this week, and I didn't read this, but um, there was a huge thing that happened in Spider-Man this week. Like, a huge. so spoilers, if you haven't read the new Spider-Man, and if you care about what happens in this comic book, skip ahead, like, five minutes. I don't know how long we're going to talk about this, but... Uh, Spider-Man finally revealed himself to a character who has never known who Spider-Man actually was. He showed his self? He showed his true self. He showed his Peter to someone? <laughs> he, he did. He showed his Peter to somebody. So, the, one of the biggest long-running storylines in Spider-Man has always been the kind of battle between J. Jonah Jameson and Spider-Man. Spider-Man's a public nuisance. He's not good for the city. Like... No matter what happens in Spider-Man's life, this person has always been against him. Except for the small time when, um, I think he was just outed as the mayor, but, um, how the fuck did it work? Something, he saved, he saved somehow where JJ was on his side because he saved someone, and I can't remember the storyline, but then because his wife then died because Spider-Man couldn't save her. He got that anger back. Right. I think it was then also when he was dating Aunt May or someone was dating Aunt May that... Uh, Coulson. What? Oh, no. No. <laughs> that was... The, I think that was from the... But the anyways, series. so there there has been very much a lot of uh, hatred towards him. Yes. But they have threw in a little bit of nuance of he kind of liked him a bit but also it's, secretly wanted to know. It's kind of like he needed him. Like... 
if there wasn't Spider-Man, he wouldn't have somewhere to put all this anger because he has a lot of anger. And you actually get to learn in the in this book why he has so much anger. And it's that not only has everyone in his life died, so that's like a whole recent thing, so that's just piled on top of it, but his hatred for Spider-Man comes from the fact that when he was younger, he was the victim of violence by somebody in a mask. So he hates people who hide behind masks, like Spider-Man does. And then you see like this completely vulnerable breakdown that... Uh, Jameson has where he's talking about how he's lost everything and he doesn't have anybody anymore and and then Spider-Man reveals himself to him and tells him you'll always have me and now he knows he's Peter Parker that is a big it's huge especially because Peter has always been like I can't show myself even to the girls that I'm dating he doesn't want to put him in danger yeah right well maybe he's trying to off JJ <laughs> the dark side of Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like, how is this going to change their relationship? Is this going to... Is Jameson going to now view Spider-Man as somebody who's good? Is he going to change his narrative because he knows who he is? Or is he going to stick to this just because he knows who he is doesn't make him any less of a threat to society sort of situation. So I think it's it'll be really interesting to see how they take this. And it's a small thing that happened but it's huge because this is not something that that Spider-Man takes lightly is revealing himself mm -hmm. so and I will say this too if there wasn't a JJ we wouldn't have the perfect freaking character for J.K. Simmons to oh my play. god I know. <laughs> he was born to be JJ like if they somehow didn't copy even though he would have been like just a kid when they created yeah. JJ it he is 100% the best. Yes. I mean, you can just literally, you can say what you want about anybody cast in these, the, especially the old Spider-Man movies, but, like, there's a reason why this person has lasted through. <laughs> <laughs> you know? The only one who's lasted through, because literally, voice, face, perfect. Yeah. Um, I guess we could have brought this up when we were talking about Thor but uh so it's it's making a, a bit of money um just probably just a little bit I will say this though I was surprised there were some open seats when I, I went and saw it Thursday night when yeah. it first debuted and with most movies like that are huge you have like 20 different showings at mm -hmm. the theater I went there was only three so I was kind of like okay this is strange but it's Marvel, and they're going to still make their money mm -hmm. hand over fist because even more people will probably go on in the weekend more than this app. So they end up making um, $14.5 on Thursday, which, um, you know, that isn't a huge, um, like, Guinness World Record or anything. No. And they made uh, $45 million on Friday. I didn't also realize until right afterwards where I wanted to see what other people were talking about, so I started doing some reviews and everything, that it also had... It's one of those rare times where they had the international release at the same a week, time. No, a week before. Oh, okay. Oh yeah. I guess spoilers have technically been out there, and yeah. thank God this was one of those movies. Just like Star Wars, I was pissed when I saw a trailer for Star Wars because I stayed away from all the fucking trailers, and one of those was right before Thor. Yes. <clears throat> so I try to stay away from some movies, even though we will talk about some of it on the show. I limit myself to what I will talk about and what I know. But they have now, um, Thor is is going to have a 100 million plus uh, debut. 
And they have now, the Marvel Universe has hit $5 billion in domestic crazy. box office. When I was at the theater after this movie was over, a guy sitting a couple seats down from me was talking to the people who were sitting next to them, because that's what these fucking movies do. They make you talk to people who are sitting right next to you who you don't know. He was like, what are we going to do when this is all over? And I was like, dude, this is never going to be over. <laughs> They're going to keep fucking going. Okay, forever, they're going to keep going. Never, never. But this is, I guess, the first um, first kind of uh, franchise to cross the $5 billion. Yeah. There are other ones that are, like, made a lot. But then you got to look at it, too. There's, they like, have, 100 movies. They're, well, 17 <laughs> so far right now. That's a lot for a franchise. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> I think Pokemon is the only one who has that many movies. Actually, to have you know, Pokemon is number one on... Uh, I guess, yeah, franchise company. Yeah. That is the most, like, profitable, profitable. world. I yeah. can't remember the statistic when I was reading this. It's been around since 1992, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but so has Marvel Comics and so has Star Wars. That's I mean, true. Star Wars is up there on, like, top ten of of them, but po- or Pokemon, Pokemon is. Kills it. <laughs> Which, there's a new Pokemon movie coming out. Are you going to go see it, Tony? What? Like, a cartoon one? Yeah. It's like how Ash meets Pikachu. It's called I Choose You. Oh, really? I'm not I, I don't want to go... S- Secretly, I have watched some of those <laughs> other ones. It's not a secret anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Speaking of trailers, the Black Panther trailer before Thor, did you get to see that? Fucking cried like a baby during it because I thought it's just one of those things where it's just so amazing that this is happening. Also, that movie and is going... Your girl. Yes. And that movie is going to have the best fucking soundtrack. Yeah. I swear to God. <laughs> it, well, it, the action, it was like... Yeah. Oh, God, it's going to be so good. I'm very... I was already kind of looking forward to it, because Black Panther, from the Illuminati to he, learning more about Wakanda, has been like, I really like him a lot. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm like... Oh, it's going to be so good. Yeah. And that's going to set a tone for... Right, well, it's the last movie coming out before Infinity War, mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting... What it's a good time to be a nerd. <laughs> Very much. Well, did you hear about uh, my favorite franchise, Lord of the Rings? Oh, yes. Something interesting. Amazon uh, is in talks with Warner Brothers to uh, do a series based around the Lord of the Rings. Now, it's one of those things where... I feel like those movies pretty much covered everything you need to know about the Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So what else is there to tell? It's a very... Like, the Lord of the Rings made hand over fist money for Warner Brothers. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. It it made Peter Jackson, like... I knew him from a couple other movies, but really before this, yeah. no one fucking knew who he was. Mm-hmm. Now he can do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. Um, For anyone else, like, this is great news. But yeah, what... What could it be about? I mean, a lot of those movies were about walking, so is it going to be more walking? Is it just going to be them walking a lot? <laughs> and them being dead tired from walking? Yeah. Like the the walking dead <laughs> fellowship? I smell a crossover. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to think of. Are they going to go past the source material? Or are they going to get away from Tolkien and start making original content? Well, that's too, if it's based on... It uh, here's the thing. Um, I I really am hesitant for um, anyone to make new fiction from this world. Right. Like it sounds bad too, but when creators make their world, 
it, it's their world. Right. But, but, but we have a perfect again, example of this in Game of Thrones. Right? They've gone past the source material in Game of Thrones. And they fucked it up. <laughs> I mean, that's a perfect example of why I, I don't want other people I to... I don't think it's terrible. I don't know. They, they are besmirching <laughs> what George R. R. Martin is trying well, to do, which is tell an epic story. own fault, because he hasn't finished a book in 800 but, years. But, I mean, Wheel of Time is one of them that, you know, need to be adapted. There are other series and books mm-hmm. where... Like anything within the Forgotten Realms, rest their souls because they don't make them anymore. But you know about D and D now? What? Is that what Forgotten Realms is? D and D. It pretty much is yeah. now D and D. Like they have gotten rid of the book side of it, and it's just straight up. They're just making all those towards the modules for D and D. So the writers and, and stuff and the world that they created, uh, yeah, those books are no more. However, some of those books I can see them picking up those characters and going some way. But Lord of the Rings, it it ended. Yeah. And even in the back with the appendices, appendixes. Ugh, the, what the hell is the name of that book? The Similarian? Yeah. There's been talk it's about like what they're the going to do It's like the first book of the Bible. It's so boring. Here's the thing, though. The <laughs> Token Estate still owns that, and that's where if they're not involved with this, mm. they're not going to let that out. And they've pretty much right. said they are pissed about what has happened with The Lord of the Rings, that they're holding that tight. Would love That could be something that if they adapted that to a TV series... But because I haven't heard any of that uh, within the the new rumors Mm-mm. of this, Mm-mm. that's the only way this could work. I Is feel if they did that because it's the only thing that we haven't. Anything afterwards yeah. uh, was not much like great like epic things. Yeah, because he detailed what happened to a lot of people even after the book ended. Well, we saw there was the a good, three endings, but there was a good thirty thirty pages of other things where it explains that Gimli and, and Legolas. He was the only dwarf that was allowed to go um, sail across the sea because, uh, and I can't, he was a dwarf. For, like, they explain, like, how, you know, certain people could do things differently, how the last elf died. They explain when um, Aragorn died, um, and he lived to be, like, 210 years old, mm-hmm. and because he had elven blood and, and everything of that. such a biblical story. It's... <laughs> It, it, they had like they just have like pages, and yeah. then it explains like how to read the Elvis script and everything. Like, mm. so there's a lot of stuff that they could take from that. Here's but a theory: it, they get into that boat and they cross the water, and they're in New York City. <laughs> so now it's Lord of the Rings in the modern world. They all have to adjust. That would be awesome. I would watch that. Uh, actually, I, I have now just learned they are breaking uh, news. With the estate, the estate is also talking with Warner Brothers to shop around. That may then very well could be a similarian. Interesting. I've heard that that wasn't an, more, an interesting enough book to want to do anything with. It's, well, no. You could make, not a movie. Right. Because it is like, uh, you know how you like, I don't even know the best way to, it's like a history book of, right. here are some dates here are some chapters and pages of these people did this, and then it went to this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very thick book and a long read. You get a, a well-diverse, very huge thinking of how this world was created and how these gods acted and how these magical things were created. And So this book is the reason why people are really hardcore in Lord of the Rings, because they get the history behind it. Oh, these are the people that, yeah, yeah. know and understand yeah. the history and that will bring up, like, facts of this and what Balrogs are and everything. 
right. Yes, it's because of this book. Uber nerds. Because, yeah, and so it's not one that you could, you could not just look at this book. You could make epic movies out of some chapters. There are some heroes from the past that were there, but what was written in the book isn't so much, like, fleshed out. Like, this person battled this person, and then they had this demon thing, and then they defeated him, and then they got the, the silver tree or something like that, like, there wasn't enough, but in a story base, they you know you could have a chapter of that. Mm-hmm. Now a TV series, you could take a whole like that, and then the next chapter be or the next uh, episode like be yeah, yeah. Now these people who are son of so and so are related in some way. Interesting. You could very well make uh yeah. It would never be a good. Um, it would just be too choppy. It'd be too much for right. a movie. Right. I would personally love to see anything of it. Yeah. But it, it, it's one of those things of it, it would need to be a TV series. And I now, like like I said, that's the only way that they could do it. You can't make a new Lord of the Rings TV series. That would just be dumb. <laughs> like, you already weird. have the movies. Like I said, unless they're like, and now they're in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> Dealing with the woes of modern life make it a total farce but i think a lot of people would be angry about that um speaking of money for studios sony posted that they have a 68 million quarterly profit hmm, i wonder why i wonder what happened in their studios yeah to wonder, make them that much money maybe they decided let's spit, split some of these profits let's maybe play nice and give away half of our money to somebody who knows what they're doing and see if we still make money oh wait we did <laughs> and, and now they they are reaping the rewards. God, if only they would do that with every other property that they own that shouldn't belong to them anymore. <laughs> there's a couple other ones, I think. Um, yeah, no, Spider Man made them a shit ton of money, and even though they had to give a lot of that away to Marvel, like fuck, they still made a shit ton of money. Uh, you know who should learn from this? Fox. Fox should learn from this. <laughs> Although I'm excited about what they're doing with their X-Men properties recently with the new shit, but... Time time will tell how shitty those are. Oh, I do have a a funny picture I do need to show you of uh, how Fox just keeps fucking up things. Yes, okay. So, uh, but I digress. Uh, Let's wrap up uh, today. Do you have anything else that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, we talked about comics a little bit more than normal. That's that's what we do, so I think people are cool with that. Uh, Best on tap this week is a very beautiful cover. uh, Grim Fairy Tales, Neverland, Return of Hook, Mm. one shot. Zenoscope. And uh, this cover is by uh, Edgar Salazar. Uh, What I love about the Grim Fairy Tales, besides it just... Their their covers and their art their style is always beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like they're always in the contending of things. Yeah, it's just sometimes you don't you can't always be drawn to to what they are very well known for. But uh, this one was just a beautiful cover and the story is excellent. Um, I love that they've made Pan the evil vampire like person that you know kills yeah. kids and everything. That's and, awesome. You know all grim fairy tales they flip everything mm-hmm. on their script anyway. So mm-hmm. that is best on tap. Uh, let's. Switch over to Booze in a Book now. Booze in a Book. Booze in a Book is, as I was saying before, uh, about with uh, legacy titling, Power Pack number 63. Now, the Power Pack uh, was uh, a book that uh, 
was very popular, had a cult following about some young kids who had powers and uh, almost in the, the vein of like Runaways where it, it again had a cult following but it wasn't mainstream by many people who loved the Wolverines and the X-Men yeah. and everything. I feel like when the Power Pack first came out, it because it's definitely more kid focused and um, it was at that weird time where kids weren't really reading comic books anymore and it was mostly adults. Mm-hmm. So with that, with that coming back, and it is a one-shot, so who knows if this is one of those that they just did for all these legacy titles, but it is cool to see a new uh, never-before-seen story. So with that, it is going to be paired with the only thing that... Uh, an alcoholic <laughs> drink that only kids could have, so non-alcoholic. Yes, so we're pairing it with a no-hito this week, which is a virgin mojito, and it's actually fucking delicious. It's... Uh, Mint and lime and agave and, and lemon, like all mojitos start with. But instead of booze, you mix it with sparkling water, like La Croix or La Croix, as most people. And it just sounds fucking refreshing. I kind of wish we had some. I kind of do, right too. Now. I could also deal with no booze right now. When <laughs> you start drinking those, I'll feel like I'm... Yeah, no hitos. Yeah. No... Plus, that's fun to say. I would like a no hito, please. <laughs> But. All right, well, with that, uh, that's all I got this week. Yeah, me, me too. All right, well, stay thirsty for all the interviews that Linz is definitely getting at Fantasticon next weekend. You heard it here first. <laughs> no pressure.